Hello and welcome to a very special episode of George and Charlie Off the Bridal. I'm Tony Rushma, and with me for the final time in 2019, I'm joined by George Scott and Charlie Fellows. This is our last episode of the year, and what better way to conclude our first series than to be sat here, home turf, the King's Head Dullingham, and we're here with a live audience. End of year, always a time to reflect and look back. So I suppose we turn to you, Charlie, because you've had a monumental year on the track. Um, reflections on 2019. I rang Charlie this morning. I said, please, will you just dress up once? He turns up in this, every time we do this podcast, he turns up in this grotty Adidas hoodie. And um, anyway, so he's managed to put a shirt on. I had to tell him to do his buttons up and he's, he's got trainers on because he thinks he's edgy which is very boring. <laughs> but he has had a fantastic year on the track, as all of you know, because he, he complained about having a Royal Ascot winner because of the stick. He's made the headlines for more than, more well, than one reason. Shouldn't have had a Royal Ascot winner or finished second in the Melbourne Cup, but we won't go into that. Oh, <laughs> You've never heard a person complain about, um, about uh, such ama amazing results on the track. And Charlie, we, we were just talking, you have had a really fantastic year and let's just start with your, your Royal Ascot, your Royal Ascot winner, it was pretty epic. Is yeah. that pain you Oh my that? God, I was leaving the track, I was leaving the track, I had a lovely uh -huh. day at Royal Ascot, hadn't had a runner obviously, <laughs> having, a few, having a few drinks and I thought well I'll just nip out before the last race. Tano's got a 50 to 1 rag, I spoke to him this morning, in the morning, I said why are you running that? Said, <laughs> he said I have no idea but I'm going to run it. So I, I was walking out on my, I was watching it on my phone and I literally just saw this red cap and I, my heart dropped. And I've never cheered so hard for the Queen in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, God, I literally couldn't believe it. Anyway, oh, it am, am, I right, am I right in saying that Vicky didn't actually watch the race? You're stood next to it's your wife. It's very funny. And, no, so we were, we, Vicky had gone into it thinking, my wife is here. We got into it thinking that we had no hope. And to be fair, she was 33 to 1. And I thought at the beginning of the week that actually we did have a bit of a chance because conditions were in her favour. She liked cutting the ground. It had rained all week. And I thought the big field would really suit. But as, as the week progressed, we got a crap draw. Which Haggis, I was delighted about. Which you were delighted about. I was like, surely you'll take her out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haggis declared a horse that he said he wasn't going to declare, which pushed us out of the weight. So we were then carrying more weight than we were meant to carry. And um, the ground started to dry out. So I'd said, oh, you know, she'll run all right, but our chance is probably gone. And as a result, my wife, who was there with her sister. You're swinging around like a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with doing a live podcast just after George has had a winner is that he gets really... <laughs> And the racing managers here, isn't he? Yeah. So you're in the good books at the moment. Um, but uh, anyway, she was there talking in front of the stand, back turned, so we weren't even looking. And I <laughs> was watching the race and she traveled well and she started to sign through them. As she started to make a move, I turned to Vicky and I like, we can swear on this, fucking hell. And she was like, what, what are you talking about? I was like, Fucking hell. She's like, what are you on about? I was like, look at the fucking screen. <laughs> As Haley swerved through, came, collared the queen on the line, and we won. Um, no knighthood. 
No, United. Luckily, you're already an honourable, so you're all right. you've got a title. You've got a title. It's okay. Oh, you are. Was was that? You are awful. Was that the highlight of your year, or was it the Melbourne Cup second that actually? Edged? No, no, no. Royal Ascot was the highlight. Royal Ascot was amazing because you don't you don't go to Royal Ascot and have a winner every year. It's a, it's it's the hardest place in the world to have winners and. For me, it's the pinnacle, I'm sure, for George as well. Like, it is the creme de la creme. It is amazing. Oh, and fantastic. to have and a winner. You're wearing a matching tie and everything. You look really I look smart. quite smart. You look smart. Red tie. Red tie, red yeah. cheeks. You've been a great George. How many fire. winners have you had this year, Charlie? <laughs> Uh, 32. Right. George? 32. Yeah. How many, George? Well, uh, another number. winner today. Yeah. And actually, talking of George's winners, did he or did he not land a 20 to 1 touch? Yeah, well, we day? need to talk about this. Come because on, actually, tell us a story. A good part of this podcast is the fact that we get given by Fitstairs very kindly a free charity bet every episode. Yeah. George, remarkably, because, <laughs> well, to be honest, if you throw enough darts at the board, sooner or later, you'll hit the because you tip on, every I horse tip. you run. I you tip. tip every horse you run. Yeah, Tony goes, Tony goes, right, lads, what's the charity bet? And before fellow speaks, I'm like, right, well, I've got this one. <laughs> but it was 20 to 1. Yeah, so it was... last week, and those, I'm sure lots of you haven't listened to it, but last week we were on the, po- two weeks ago we were on the podcast, and Tony said, we actually said beforehand, I said to Charlie, bloody hell, have you got a bet? And he said, yeah, I actually have. And I was like, well, I've got one anyway. <laughs> yours basically ran down the car park at Kempton, so luckily we didn't go for yours. Yeah. And um, we had this horse called Strawberry Jack, but it was 25 to 1 all day. And uh, we put him up for the podcast. We had a, what did we have on? 50 each way. 50 each way. So we, we you know, he, he won. He How much won. did we give to the charity? We gave £1,350 to Ronald McDonald. Oh, that's as a result of your your selection. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point of the year, how many naps have you won with so far, Charlie? The naps? Yeah, I haven't won a nap. No. I don't I've think I have, have a 2-0 on yeah, that But you camp. fell into the same old trap, George. You went and ran it again eight days later and it got beaten tonight. <laughs> Finished second beating the head. Why do you do he that, He always whinges at me. Patient, he always whinges at me because I run the horses too often. But I don't have 80 blue blood horses like him. They've got to run. If they're still in their boxes, they can't win, can they? He prefers, to sort of, he prefers to waltz around his new yard, blossom falling down, dogs, <laughs> dogs running everywhere, acres in front of him, like horses picking, like looking at all his horses. I've got to run them. Like, they've got to run. And you, you do. No, I do. Yeah. No, anyway, yeah. it's um, it's been a fun year on the track. Charlie's had a fantastic year. We've had an okay year. It goes like that. You can only work with what you've got. We've moved into a new stable. Fantastic new stable. We've already had four winners out of it from about 15 runners and it's going to be, I'm really pumped for next year. It's such a sort of, a, it's, an, it's an amazing industry, but I find it incredibly fickle in the sense that Everything's forgotten in the first half of the year. I mean, I know like lots of racing fans who you go, right, who won the guineas? I mean, who won the guineas? Do you know what I mean? It just, it's so tailored around the sales, people's attitudes, people, how, you know, how they're feeling. And, and uh, we, we always try to have a few winners around the sales, but uh, sadly it's now the full sale, so it's no, too little too late. <laughs> My wife asked me if I was buying anything this week. I said, no, I can't run them yet. So <laughs> not for us. New stables, chaps. How happy are you with Bedford House and Eve Lodge, respectively, and how good a locations are they? Well, like all jokes aside, Charlie's in sort of the, the premier stable, arguably in the country, and certainly in Newmarket. And I've been lucky enough to go and spank him in a rounders match there. But um, it's it's uh, it's <laughs> a fantastic. That was a good result. That was a disappointing evening. 
<laughs> that was a Scott High point, wasn't it? Catch on the and boundary. And he was so competitive. Oh my God. We had, a, we had a rounders match, fellows against Scott. I took all Part of my of lads, all of his lads. We met in that sort of five acre field that he's got in the middle of the yard, <laughs> right in the middle of Newmarket. They get that big field. We played rounders. Against Part of the Stable Lads week, yeah. wasn't it? And we had a barbecue afterwards to celebrate the Stable Lads week and annoyingly, as you did in the paintballing last year, you beat us in the rounders this year. Yeah, no, it's great. But that's, that's been the really fun thing about our stables is that we can kind of link up and um, have that sort of competitiveness against each other, but also on a great friendship. If, if we're looking at the year as a whole, anything else in racing that sort of stood out for you this year? Would it be Enable's performances, Dottori's four-timer, um, the bravery of Crystal Ocean? What are the things that have, you've looked at in the last eight, nine months, guys? I think, I think um, on the jockey front, obviously the master was the master this year. Frankie was unbelievable. And I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying, do we think Frankie should have been nominated for, for the, for the um, sports, sports personality of the year? And after the year he's had, you know, it, it, he is remarkable and a wonderful ambassador for this sport and he goes from strength to strength. But I feel like the new kid on the block is coming along. And for once, I feel a bit positive about what happens if Frankie does go. Because in Oshin, we have a very, very talented jockey who also is a master in front of the camera and personable and amusing, as well as being a very talented jockey. So I think he's been the big highlight on that front for me. We, Frankie's going to be so hard to replace. We're both good friends of his. He's been on the podcast, but um, Oshin, to win a Japan Cup, I mean, I messaged him after. I was just like, that is just stratospheric, isn't it, really? He's so, very lucky Prince of Aaron didn't run in the Japan Cup. He wasn't allowed to run in the Japan Cup because he wasn't allowed. It's a quite an quick, because your stories do go on, a quick story about <laughs> Prince of Aaron was all set to go from Australia to the Japan Cup, and um, it he's was not allowed like, to wear a stools rug. He wasn't allowed to wear a stools rug in the in the. Stool. They don't have them out there, so and literally, you're not coming. Yeah, um, very disappointing. So he's off to Hong Kong. You're looking forward to your trip to Hong Kong. I'm not going. Run, not going to Hong Kong. He's not going to Hong Kong. To not see going to Hong run. Kong. Sadly, um, I have my godson's christening. Okay, well that's nice. So I'm doing the good thing and I'm staying when, here. When do, you, when do you find out your draw and how the race is going to set up and all that? Very good question, that. Uh, <laughs> not entirely sure. I think uh, either Friday, Friday, Friday. Oh really? Somewhere When's the around. race? Sorry? The race? Sunday. Sunday. I know when the race is. I just don't know where the draw is. <laughs> that, that would be another one. I woke up and, uh, to watch the Melbourne Cup at four o'clock in the morning and I was sat in bed. I literally, my alarm rang. I like, couldn't give a toss about the Melbourne Cup. But I just, fellows had had a runner in there and I just, I woke up the alarm. I was like, literally, I was like bright as day. It was like my own runner. I was like, went to bed anxious. Woke up and like Prince of Aram was making like a winning run. I was just like, no! <laughs> so I like threw the phone onto the bed. I just laid back and just prayed. And I looked up and I was like, third, thank God for that. <laughs> Rolled over, put the phone away. I was like, I can deal with that. Like great, a great friend of mine, like good payday yeah. and all that. Woke up, second, got another 40 grand. I was like, I can still deal with that. I, just, I mean, <laughs> it's the perfect result, isn't it? Because they haven't won it. Haven't won it. Which would have been a disaster. Yeah. But they've got a great payday and you can write the message saying, well done, mate, wonderful <laughs> run. <laughs> on, on, on a slightly serious note, and two young trainers here, 
I look at the racing power base now, and it seems to be O'Brien, Gosden. How do young trainers compete, and can young trainers such as yourselves win classics? Is it, is it possible in this era to compete at a very top level? Or it's, it just, yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah. It's, you it's, nearly did it last year, didn't you, with James Garfield, to be well, fair? Well, we ran, we ran, we ran. At um, the highest level. At the we highest the level. Classic. No, but we at the, the group one company. He ran the Guineas. He ran the Guineas. Uh, we feel, but, I mean, beaten five minutes. You weren't beaten fast. How many group winners? Nearly yeah. topple Aidan O'Brien or John. <laughs> but is it possible? Far-fetched. No, no, but no one said that. Is it possible to to land a blow on these guys in in those group ones? It's definitely possible because anyone can get a horse. You know, just look at someone like Michael Bell when he had Motivator and William Haggis Dancing Rain and. But it's a crazy world, like again. So it's it's never going to be. Um, you're never going to be as a, as a, as a, at the moment um, a trainer that's going to compete at that level consistently. But there's absolutely you can get one. Of course you can get one, and that's why every single person has a horse in training. Uh, against the shakes and the guy that wants to, you know, wants to have a share or a leg in a horse because there's no science to it. There's no exact science. A result can pop up from anywhere. You know, I had to look about horses like Californian Chrome, for example. It's a complete rags to riches. A good horse can come from anywhere. Of course, they've got this incredible factory, O'Brien and now Charlie, where they're Charlie Appleby, not not you, <laughs> <laughs> where they're churning out like proper horses all the time, and it's you're not going to be able to compete with them day in day out. But you can find. But I mean, you haven't found a group horse yet. <laughs> well, I have. I won a group that we raced the other in day. In England. This is a really bitter thing. So Charlie's obviously kicked my ass this year with winners and things. But my one thing which I'm clinging on to is he has yet to strike at group level in England. And it absolutely kills him. <laughs> um, uh, William Haggis. I was speaking to William. <laughs> I was uh, on that point. I was speaking to William Haggis the other day because I get on with him quite well. <laughs> And we were chatting, and just to illustrate how difficult it is going from that, he, you know, we were going, we were talking about where he sat, and he, of all of the owners, you know, he trains 200 horses, of all of his owners, he thinks he is number one trainer for probably one of them. Mm. Otherwise, he is down the pecking order, below John Gosden, or below Aiden, or below Sir Michael, and, and think of all the... Group yeah. one winners, he's trained. But, but sometimes when... It's and it, hard. It's yeah, really it's hard, hard. But sometimes when it's a really gloomy day and things really aren't going well, you go back and you look at these guys. You look at these... John Gosden wasn't a Galactico from day one. I always look at Rafe Beckett, an enormously successful trainer. Richard Fahey, enormously successful trainer. They took like 5, 10, 15, 20 years to get going, you know. And, you know, without saying... You know, we're, we're lucky. We're supported by good people. We're well ahead of where a lot of these guys that we really admire, like, are, we, are we ever going to get to them? Are we ever going to be as good as them? Probably, probably not. Um, but they were miles behind where we were at this stage. And it is a thing. And Ed Walker, who's a good friend of mine, he said to me the other day, he's like, basically, just dig in as a trainer because regardless, I know it can be, it is a nice, it's a fantastic lifestyle, but there isn't much money in it, they say, you should dig in and just wait for that good horse. And that's all we do. I mean, the dream is a good horse, you know, and it will, it will happen. But those boys we look up to, they were just us, you know, and, you know, so we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> One of the best things about working with both of these two is the endless series of humorous tales that have emanated from their lives. And I know that that is something that a lot of the podcast listeners have enjoyed, that it's not just this race or that horse. It's some crazy antics that Fellows has got up to. But I think my favorite, or George, and my favorite tale of the year has been the birth story of your daughter. And you buried, just tell the story about how you couldn't quite manage to be there at your wife's side the other week. 
It's, 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 no, I mean, I've just, got a, pro- I've just most... got a problem with needles and blood. I mean, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great story. It's the most wonderfully pathetic story <laughs> you'll ever hear. In well, your you're life. about to go through it in March. Yeah, and I'll be there, stood strong by her side. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fucking... Yeah. yeah, let's see. Let's see. Tell the no, story. No, it's, like, it's wonderful. It's great. No, I mean, well, I've just had a baby, and, I mean, and actually, funny enough, I've got bollocking today. Because I came, I came back from lunch, and I, had a, I always have a sleep at lunch, and I missed her first smile when I was sleeping at lunch. <laughs> Keep admitting so these I, things. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I had my sleep, and I was done with it, and she was feeding, and I was like, she's like, I was like, looking at she's like, you missed her first smile. And I was like, I know, but I was sleeping. <laughs> Don't worry, George. It was probably wind in any case. Yeah. So, so carry on. And we had the baby in London because Polly lives, uh, not lives in London now, but used to live in London and we'd, she'd always planned to have a baby in London. So um, we had the, um, we had the, I got the, uh, we, went for a, we went for a scan on that day and um, the, 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 the nurse said I could go back to Newmarket and Polly could stay in London because we had a few more days. Anyway, so I drove back to Newmarket absolutely delighted, like left her in, in, in London, you know, happy as Larry. Uh, she said, just put your phone on loud. So I, I you know, because I hate having my phone on loud at night because people are messaging around, fellows, everyone's messaging. And anyway, so I, I thought it's not going to happen tonight. Then the nurse said it's not going to happen tonight. So I quickly just put my phone on silent. Anyway, so I, 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 this is getting a bit weird, but at 10, 30, 11.30, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there's no, no word of a lie, I woke up in the middle of the night, like bolt upright, and it was like someone had hit me over the head with a, with a, with a bar, and I woke up, I thought, I've never felt like this before, it was so weird, it was like such an out-of-body thing, and I was like, I swear something in my, this is where Charlie left, I swear something in my life has just changed, and I said, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning, and something will have changed. Anyway, I didn't think to call my pregnant wife. <laughs> So I didn't. I, the, I should have just said, right. Well, I might as well check. My wife is probably about to have a baby, so I didn't anyway. And I was like, it's so weird. Anyway, so I then went back to sleep as you do. And an hour later, my phone's. Thank God it was on vibrate. Oh, I can't imagine waking up at six o'clock in the morning and like her ringing me fifty-eight times. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. You'd have, someone would have had to go and knock the door down. Anyway, so I jumped in the car, drove to the hospital, picked her up. She, she, her water's broken and we got discharged, went back at four o'clock um, in the evening because we had to get, get the ball rolling. Anyway, so just the nurse is coming in and I was like needles and epidurals, all that sort of stuff. So it wouldn't mind me, wouldn't mind me going out during the, the injections and all this sort of stuff. So I went out and I was sort of like screaming in the room behind me and screaming in the room to my dad, <laughs> just thinking, oh my God. <laughs> I, at this point, I was feeling queasy anyway. You actually, do you leave, you left the room? For the epidural, yeah. Did you? For the inject, I hate needles. <laughs> Absolutely hate needles and blood. I mean, a flu, I literally had a flu jab the other day. I was like this. <laughs> I went back in and obviously everything started going anyway. It was starting to crank up, and I was like, "Do you mind if I just sit down?" And the the middle, I was like, "No problem." And I was like, "No, like in the corner." So I sat with the monitor just by behind my head like this, and I was just going, um, "Go on, Paul." <laughs> I was like literally like holding onto the monitor, like you can do it. And I was so embarrassed, and all the, the why do you need eight people to deliver one baby? So every time someone was coming in, I was like, "I just really hate needles." <laughs> Oh, a big round of applause for George for becoming a father and a great story. Very good. Very good. 
Um, this point, I don't know if there's anyone who'd like to ask a question of George or Charlie. One of the best things about doing it has been the opportunity to speak to two trainers about their lives. So any questions, any subjects, nothing has been off limit during the year. I've seen a few hands raised here. I'm going to quickly work through the room. So I'm going to quickly come to you. I'd like to know what George does when the vet comes round. <laughs> what happens when the vet comes round with all these needles and medication? We've got a vet box now, so I'd stay, stay well away. But um, I, I'm not too bad with horses. It's just my wife. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sir, question? So my question to both of you guys is, um, when you get the, the horses in as, as yearlings for pre-training, how early on do you guys get a feel for, for what that horse... Is this, so, is, so is this, basically, you want to know whether the syndicate or yeah, yeah are any good or not. Well, all the other ones. Is this just because yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> Ollie and Bridget are very kind. He just come up to me and said, "By the way, we're going to send you a yearling." And, uh, and then Ollie goes, who looks after Bridget's farm. By the way, it's basically a pony, and Bridget's going like this, and he goes, and it has jumped out of my indoor school twice. <laughs> 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 so, what did you say again? I've forgotten. So, so At what how, stage? how early on into pre-training do you guys get a feel for... I, I, bollocks when anyone says they know what they've got at the beginning. It really is. My, my best horses, James Garfield, like horses that won concierge, they, they didn't show... Concierge and James Garfield, another bat, who have all been prolific winners for me, showed nothing till March. I mean, literally, you want someone to go to work, turn up at work, do his job, not complain, not get pissed in a bar in Dubai and... Who was the footballer who's just done that? Gareth Southgate did a press conference the other day, which I thought was really relevant, where he said, I don't want my players turning up, messing around, getting in the press and all that. And the yearlings, I think the best yearlings just get a workman-like and you don't, you don't notice them. I don't, think you, I don't think you know until you start really galloping them, to be honest. You get an idea, don't you? Yeah, but you do hear these stories, I knew that was horse was a nice horse in November. It's like, well, you didn't. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thank you. We have a question with Chris here. Chris Manfred, BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. And as you know, I cover uh, racing for uh, the BBC when, when I can in this part of the world. What's happening in Ireland is fascinating, isn't it? Uh, with the O'Brien, I think I, we can call it a dynasty now, with Aidan and Joseph and Donica and what they've done in a very short time. Obviously, Dad's been there for 20 years, but the boys are doing extraordinary things. Very good, that, that firm. Fascinating slash incredibly annoying. Another O'Brien to <laughs> compete against. When, jo when Donica set up, I said I texted Joseph. I said, "Do you really have? Does he have? Can he not just get a couple more?" Why can't more they years? just do it together? Why can't they just raise yeah. the raise? No, but raise the weights. Let Donica ride a few more years. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's incredible, Chris. On a serious note, the um, the, the the amazing ability that they've got not only as like horsemen but they're also like, there's an annoying thing about Joseph he's a really really nice guy like one of the great guys and yeah uh, he, he didn't he got a bit frustrated by your whip comments he does he, listen you charmed him he listens to podcasts he, he loves listens. the podcast he said he'd come on anytime but yeah. they really have he stopped listening after my comments on the whip he said he got so angry furious. about what I said that he's he said I can't listen to that podcast anymore it's absolute crap. <laughs> uh, but, that's um, when I like listen, yeah, listen sort of half when you went on about that. Whip. What went from two to one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's incredible, and they're very they're good. So powerful, they're so well supported, and they've got. I mean, the Joseph and both Donica, they both rode so beautifully, and when you ride beautifully for that period of time, and it's your family, like you know, you you already gather that huge momentum. And a lot of racing at the top level is having the top owners, as we discussed earlier. You already read Donica's little piece in the thing. He's already got them the families, Magnus and the Tabors, and then you have the, a lot of the Australian clients. So it's a, it's a, it's 
but you don't worry about what everyone else is doing because you're, you're rowing your own canoe, but it's, it's going to make it really hard. And I actually messaged a friend the other day. I think he might, one of them might come and train in England. I think one of them might say, come on. Yeah, really? Actually, why would all three of them just go head to... I think Donica or Joseph might, or they, why would they not have a satellite yard? Why would they not allow them to have a yard in England? But why would they just go head for head for years and years, all three of them, one against God, each other? God, I hope that doesn't. They will, of course they will. <laughs> and they're a fantastic dynasty and looking forward to getting beaten by them for years to come. Good opportunity to talk about the podcast syndicate before we let everyone return to the bar. Guys, yeah, we've got a fun idea that we hope that you agree is a fun idea. George, Charlie, do you want to yeah. share? I break in Charlie's horse room, so I wouldn't mind an update, actually. I think we've named these horses the wrong way around. Why? Well, because the horse that I've got, who's called George Scott, is very good looking, <laughs> slightly chubby. <laughs> and um, very straightforward. Uh, whereas the horse you've got is quite precocious. Chippy. Chippy. And a uh, born winner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Charlie Fellows. It's yeah. called Charlie Fellows. It's called Charlie Fellows. Switch it over. Um, no, he's very much, George Scott is an absolute breeze. Your horse. Yeah, yeah. The horse I've got is George Scott. He's a zophony. He is slightly chubby. Um, you said to me when he came over, he gets fat on fresh air, yeah. but he is absolutely brilliant. And he's been fantastic since he came in. Um, so, so Charlie was in Australia, obviously, and I said, oh, I, so I broke in the horse and then sent him to Charlie the other day, but, and you, you're pleased with him. Yeah. My lads thought it was absolutely hilarious. When George Scott came into the yard, they were all saying, oh, who's going to get to ride George Scott and all of this? <laughs> so, so. My horse is, uh, Charlie's is going to be a more middle season uh, type horse. My horse is very, very precocious, the horse I've got for him. He's, um, he, he's uh, Charlie always him, huffing and puffing. He's already, on the, he's already on the grass upside. Take Shh. your time, George. Be patient, it's November. Shh. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I like to get on and train two-year-old winners. He doesn't. Um, but uh, no, my, he's very precocious, forward-going, and um, really, really pleased with him. Really straight, really sort of fun horse. Actually, had a group of them today, about eight of them, on the grass, and I was following up on my hack, and I was um, I was sort of I was like sort of instructing them, so they're like all kind of crossing because. It's all about, you know, getting a sort of education into him. They were crossing and he was weaving his way through and, hit, you know, it was really good, actually. I was proud of him. So might we ever see these horses actually against one another on the home gallops? Is oh, that yeah, we'll try. Definitely, yeah. It'd be great. If, if we I... could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're quite different types. But yeah, yeah. no, we'd love to. Maybe it would probably be like mine would have been like had eight runs and we rated 60 and yours would be like a nice horse. I can give you a lead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we are delighted that some of our syndicate members are here tonight, including one gentleman who's come all the way from Scotland, our longest traveller. What can our owners in these horses expect in terms of service? Well, so the plan is, is to have more events like this, so live podcasts, but we both have two beautiful yards to come and look around, mm. come and see the horse out in the gallops. We both understand that owning a racehorse is not just about the race day, it's about everything else that happens. Uh, and that's coming to visit the yard, coming to visit the lads that ride them, coming to see behind the scenes. And we'll do it together. It's like a yeah. novel idea. Like we will, there'll be a lot of communication. Like Charlie and I, everything's split down the middle. If Charlie's horse wins the guineas, I'll get half the prize money. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, I was bad. I haven't. We haven't gone through that. But <laughs> no, but on the serious note, anything that's left over, I, I expect we'll have a small percentage. But it's all split down the middle, and it'll be very much communication. Will be very much to kind of together, and it'll be it'll be fun. There'll be a lot of banter and. Like, let's just pray we hit the jackpot. We're very pleased with the horses. Charlie's horse has got a deep pedigree, a deep Jubmont pedigree. Um, and my, my, horse is, my horse is very precocious, very forward going by his salient that's trains a lot, um, size a lot of winners. So we'll, we'll do our The best. story of the first one, though, is, a, is a, like, of how many horses are in the Tassels Island sale? Yeah, no, a lot, no, a lot, a lot of horses. 300? We both looked around looking for a horse. And I looked at this horse, this Swiss Spirit horse, and I said, I really love the horse. And I thought it was going to make a lot way too much money. Anyway, I had to leave. You left. I stayed around and he I also around. independently loved this yearling as well. We hadn't spoken. George rang me saying, did you like this horse? And I said, well, actually I did. I loved it. And no, I ended up buying it. So, so that's Charlie Fellows. So what we're saying, the stars are aligned and that hopefully, fingers crossed. Charlie Fellows yeah. will be a star and George Scott will be absolutely useless. And um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a win-win, isn't it? Because the great horse will either be named after one of us. Or your trainer. Or your trainer, yeah. so you can't lose. Quickly, Tony and I met Warren Place when I was assistant to Jane Cecil, who's here. It was a special time. I was lucky enough to be in and around an amazing trainer, an amazing stable. And like everyone thinks they've got a book in them, don't they? Everyone thinks they've got a book in them. And I thought, well, this no, may just, no? No? <laughs> Barely right now. <laughs> Well, this was the book that, if ever I was going to write one, this was the book I had to write. So I sat down two and a half years ago and wrote it, and happily people like it, and hopefully people think it's a fitting tribute to a special trainer. It's really great, and I know Jane and Karina, who's here, they, they love it, and it's a really amazing tribute to Sir Henry. And, and if and you want the book devalued, Tony will I'll inscribe it for you tonight because I've got copies. <laughs> Have you got a winner for us? I'll give you one for the, for the long term. So if you remember it, it's a horse called Hong Kong Dragon. He made his debut today and we'll, we'll see. He'll progress in handicap. We might win a handicap in February. I'm going to go with a horse called Khan Wenon. Yeah. He's going to run in an all-weather championship qualifier at Newcastle. The Fitstairs charity bet. Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks' so, time. It, this is Khan Wenon to win. To win, to win. Go on, finish us. Okay. Thank you so right. much. Anyway, look, guys, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. This is the last one until the March. spring. Yeah. We'll be back. March, we'll I think. We'll be back. Um, hopefully by then... We'll have some interesting news on the horses. Yeah. Have you got any runners over the next... No, I'm quiet. I'm very quiet. Absolutely I'm going nothing. on holiday. I would have won in Saudi Arabia, which would oh, have been great. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and maybe in Hong Kong. Yeah. But no, look, it's been a wonderful year. We've really, really enjoyed doing this. For anyone who has already come into the syndicate, thank you so much. Anyone yeah. who's thinking about it, you're in. It'll you're be in. fun. And um, have a very lovely Christmas and a happy new year. Thank Cheers, you. guys. Thank you, everyone. That is us for the year. We're all off for a bit of a break, but don't worry, you won't have to wait too long for what is hopefully your favourite racing podcast to return. All being well, we'll be back bigger and better in early spring. A few thank yous, first and foremost, to our brilliant sponsors, Fitstairs, not just for tonight's episode, but for their overall support and vision for the Off the Bridle podcast. Thanks to, to our home stadium, the King's Head, Dullingham, and a big thumbs up to our long-suffering producer, Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. Finally, thank you to you, all our listeners, for sticking with us throughout the year. To one and all, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Goodbye.